we are glad to have you in. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 61. Before we get started on today's episode, as of the release date, which is going to be December 7th, 2021, it marks the one-year anniversary of this podcast. So, last year, coming off of a weird semester, COVID, got back into the podcasting thing, and so... Since then, we've gained over 3,700 listeners, close to 4,000, so if you guys can reach that, we've gone to platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Audible, a bunch of just great stuff. Um, Can't even imagine that. Listeners all over the country, um, my friends and family who have been nothing but supportive, it is unreal. Um... Just to even think about it, um, I am just so thankful for you guys, so grateful for the opportunity to be able to continue to do this, and without further ado, let's get right into it. Let's talk the Wind Bowl. I actually saw something on Twitter, so I was trying to figure something out, and they called it, it was New England and Buffalo in 2008, they called it the Wind Bowl, because it was about the same gusts. So let's set the scene. It's Monday Night Football, the biggest game of the year in the AFC, New England's 8-4, and four. On a six-game winning streak, Buffalo is 7-4. and four. They're trailing each other. They're like neck and neck in this race. And you bring in these nasty, nasty conditions. So it's 30 degrees, I think, and it feels like 23. So you're freezing cold. And the wind. Oh, the wind. It was, I think, consistently 20 to 30 mile an hour winds with gusts up to 50 to 55 miles an hour. So ridiculous stuff. Ridiculous stuff. And then you have... The Patriots on a six-game winning streak, like I said earlier, with their rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. So you're like, how in the world is he going to handle this? How is it going to go? We weren't really sure how it was going to pan out. It was just unreal. Unreal stuff. So but that's the scene set for you. So what if I told you that after the game, Mac Jones would go two for three for 19 yards and they would win by four? <laughs> Unfreaking real. On the other hand, Josh Allen had a decent performance. I just, what could you do with this win? It was very much, it was going to come down to the coaching. It's going to Belichick versus Sean McDermott, Brian Dable versus Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick, and then Belichick, this the senior. And then you've got Brian Dable. How does his offense work? How does Josh McDaniel's game plan for it? And so what the Patriots did is they basically said, all right, we know that when we're on certain sides of the football field, it was I think that the announcers did a great job of uh, describing the scene and setting it for the listeners at home was like on certain sides, you're not going to be able to throw the football because you're going against the wind and it's so ridiculously strong that it's going to be able to affect the ball on certain sides of the field, certain areas of the field of where the wind was blowing. It was really interesting, actually. So what the Patriots did is they just have that hat. You guys have seen it. I'm going to quote it. Run the damn ball. Run the dang ball. It was a... Pretty much the offensive line, New England, who's finally healthy. The first six games, it was a little bit of a struggle to keep things going, to get a solid rotation, and they finally do it. So they said, all right, we're going to go strength on strength. Buffalo knows we're running. We know we're going to run, and let's just go. Play physical football, play exactly to what their identity is, what they want to be. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson had their day in the sun. Ironically, it was freaking cold, and there was no sun, but... You get what I mean. A lot of 
great schemes around it. You got to credit McDaniels. I know a lot of Patriots fans were frustrated that they weren't being creative enough, they weren't throwing enough, but why take the risk? Why have Mac Jones throw a ball, sails it, pick six, and then you're not able to gain any ground? They just played the game. They had faith in their special teams, their defense, run the ball. This is what this identity is. It's what Bill Belichick wants to do. And after the game, when Miles Bryant tipped the ball and it was fourth down, it was turnover on downs, you could see him with the biggest grin that I've ever seen Belichick have. It's like he just won the Super Bowl. That was the kind of game he wants to coach. Comes down to the last second. Comes down to everything. It's so meticulous, so tedious. It's exactly how he wants to do it. And not only is it big for this team, it's big for the playoff picture. Because now New England, going into the bye, has a game up on everybody and on their division rival. Not only would it be important for New England to get a home game and be able to just get that New England crowd and get some momentum going into that late push, but you also could have a chance at maintaining that one seed and getting a bye. The only bye, as they have added a seventh seed. So there's a lot of implications. As for Buffalo... Had this game had been not as crazy with the weather, maybe things go different. Maybe things are a little bit smoother on the game plan. Maybe Josh Allen carves the Patriots apart. We just don't know. But what we do know is that Buffalo's inability to run the football really struck them down here. Really just hindered them what they wanted to do. New England knew it. Buffalo knew it. It was just strength on strength. Defensive schemes. How do you match what they're going to do? It was a really fun football game to watch, even though the score was only 14-10. to 10, We're used to all these fireworks and things just happening. So you're going to see a lot of, is New England's run game the best in football? Is this, is that? A lot of questions. The one thing that I take away from this is that New England's coaching staff, no matter the situation, no matter the weather, Belichick's going to be prepared for it. The staff's going to be prepared for it. They probably ran through a bunch of stuff in practice. They knew what they had to do, and they did it, and they executed to the best of their ability. And that's scary because now the, the, they'll go back to Foxborough. They have all the confidence, all the momentum. They're going to play a really good indie team soon. It is going to be very interesting to see how they finish the season. If they can get a split of Buffalo and Indy, and then you have Jacksonville and Miami. Miami, who's relatively hot as of recent, but I think it'll be more of a revenge game especially. It's going to be very interesting to see how this playoff picture pans out. I'm very excited and very much looking forward to that. Going to be a wild finish. And that was just a crazy night. It was like a hurricane almost. Unreal conditions. It's nothing like I've ever seen. Love it about football. You get different things every time. Completely. And just ugh, unexpected. Love it. All right, so now I want to talk about Brent Venables. So Brent Venables was hired by Oklahoma. Everything's official today. He's taking pictures. He's going on plane rides. He's making speeches. So where do we go from here? First of all, I just want to congratulate Coach Venables. As a Clemson student and a Clemson fan, completely deserved. He has been since Kevin Steele left the team. If you don't know, the reason Venables is on the team is when, in 2011, we went to the Orange Bowl. We played Geno Smith, and they dropped 70 on us. It was Geno Smith and Tavon Austin. Ooh, that was a rough one. It was like 70-32 to 32 was the final score, if I'm not wrong. But it was a bad day, so Kevin Steele gets fired, and Brent Venables comes in. And there's a lot of just, like, change Venables brings this undeniable energy, this undeniable passion for football. Great scheme, great sense of where he is, great understanding of the game. So this is a big loss for Clemson. But it was also one that you, if you were looking into the future, you had to be naive, almost not to see it coming. It was a very... I, 
Venables has been on the coach. Like, if you follow Clemson football, Venables has been a coaching candidate since, like, 2016. Ever since they won that first national championship, he's been a hot commodity. I think he turned down the Auburn job, I think it was last year. So a lot of things are just, like, in motion. It's constantly like this, especially this year. The coaching carousel is ridiculous. I mean, Mario Cristobal's going to Miami. You have Brian Kelly going to LSU. You have Lincoln Riley going to USC. There's a lot of moving parts this offseason. Very interesting as compared to last year where it was kind of calmed down because of COVID. So maybe it's just all of it's happening at once and we just don't know what to do with it. But a lot of great stuff. Where does Clemson go from here? That's a great question, if you're asking. (laughs) I think for Clemson, it is going to be two things. Let's start with one, the culture. How much does the culture of Clemson play into Venables leaving? What do the players do? How do the players react? This is going to be the first time in a while that Dabo Sweeney's culture that he's preached for a long time, that he's built for a long time, is it going to stand strong? Are we going to see players decommit? There's a lot of questions, but a lot of answers that we already have. We have people like Trent Simpson and a couple recruits that have kind of given us heart attacks or given us like a, okay, I'm staying, I'm going to stick through it. These things happen, but I'm committed to Clemson. So we'll see how it goes. A lot of players, you really can tell how the players feel about Venables. Nothing but love, nothing but respect. And now it's just on the search for the next defensive coordinator. So I talk, I've been talking a lot to a lot of people about what the possibilities would be. So one, in my mind, is Manny Diaz, the recently fired head coach from Miami. Now I know what you're going to say is that it was a, just a disaster at Miami. There was a lot of bad. There wasn't a lot of positives to take away from it. Miami's not where they are or they want to be, and now they're bringing Mario Cristobal. But Manny Diaz does something, and I think that it's he's one of those people that he's not going to be great about managing the entire game, having to do so much. Some guys are just great, like Dan Quinn, for example, on the Cowboys. Having a phenomenal year as a defensive coordinator, just can't manage an entire game as a head coach. The Falcons, I mean, he had success with the Super Bowl, but overall, I think Dan Quinn is much better suited off to be just a coordinator than a coach. Maybe same thing for Bill O'Brien. Disaster year with the Texans. Gets fired. Goes to Alabama. Now he's got potentially the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. And they're being very successful. Yes, I know Brian. Bill O'Brien has a plethora of weapons to work with. But still, somebody's got to design the scheme. Somebody's got to get Bryce Young to buy into what he's doing. So that's one option. Another option could be potentially Gary Patterson. That's a name I've heard thrown around. I think for Dabo, it's going to be very important to be creative with this hire, especially if Tony Elliott leaves too, to get creative and try to invigorate new energy and new life into the staff that fits your culture, fits your brand, fits your standard. I think it's going to be a true test to what Dabo believes in. It's going to be a true test to what Clemson is as a school. This is going to be a very interesting year, especially coming off of Venables, who had arguably his best years as coordinator. This was his best year. This was Clemson's best years of defense. It's unfortunate that Clemson's probably not going, they're going to go 10-3 and three in my mind. They're going to beat Iowa State in that bowl game. And 10 wins is no, like, it's not a bad thing. We got to get that, we got to get past that. 10 wins is a really good thing in college football. If you can do that consistently from year to year, that's a pretty darn good thing. And that was Venable's best year. He completely deserved his coaching job. Super happy for him. Super happy to see where it goes in the future. Cannot wait. There's a lot of questions answered still. A lot of unanswered questions still left on the field. And with the signing period coming up, with the college football playoff coming up, there's a lot of just what. What are we going to see? How are we going to figure this out? I am so excited. I'm pumped up. I'm amped up. I'm ready to see how this is all solved. A lot of the puzzle pieces have been put into place. 
But in typical college football fashion, there's still a couple ones left unturned. All right, we're going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to talk college football playoff, my reaction to the championship games, and the final four as it stands. Cincy, Bama, Georgia, and Michigan. We'll be right back, guys. This is the Mammoth Plane Podcast. Oh, 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 man. Oh, man, we are back. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 61. Guys, stay tuned for more. We got the CFP. We're going to talk all about it. Final four, what I think just so much happened this weekend. Oh, my gosh. And it ends with a crazy game on Monday. And stay tuned for a couple of guests that I know you guys are really going to like. A couple of you, if you're listening, you know who you are. This show is about to get crazy. Okay, CFP Final Four. This is just uh, my opinion. They got it right. They got it right. Alabama beat the supposed best team all year in Georgia. Not only beat them, but gave a master class of just the Saban. They just they just got Saban. That should just be a, a, a verb. You got Saban. And we should just describe it as a just a complete butt kicking. Just complete, oh, man. Just, I... I Going into the game, I will be completely honest. I thought that Georgia was going to have their way. I thought this was the year. This was the year Georgia dominates. And they started off pretty damn good. It was like, oh, okay, I see how I see where this is going. I see where this is going. And then Bryce Young takes all takes his one throw to get him back in it to Jamison Williams. I think it was either Mechie or Williams who caught it and just it was like the roadrunner, the meep meep guy who just like he just took off too fast. And I was like, Oh, here we go. The speed. The speed of Alabama. It's just like last year where Mac Jones, all he had to do was put the ball in the right spot. Devonta Smith, somebody will catch it. Somebody will take care of it. It's the scheme. It's the players. It's the quarterback. Bama has a perfect storm of things going for them. Will Anderson, Heisman snub? I know someone thinks it. I know somebody does. They should be number one. Number two is Michigan. Michigan? Of course. I love Michigan this year. I love their story. Like I said on the podcast before, patience prevails. Patience prevails prevails. Harbaugh is here. He's not going to get fired. They make their first playoff ever. It's a great thing. They've overcome so many hurdles this year. They won the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State. A lot of people counted them out. They weren't even, I think, in the, they, I don't think they had a shot. I don't think they were ranked in the eight people at the beginning of the year. I think that's correct. I'm not sure because they had such a rough year with COVID. So they had to work their way through it. They had to overcome so much adversity you got to be happy for this team. you got to be happy for what Harbaugh's doing. Hassan Haskins, Aiden, freaking Aiden Hutchinson, what a player. That guy is a force. He's so much fun to watch. You just you Wherever you're watching the Michigan Wolverines, your eyes just go straight to him, straight to Hutchinson. How is he going to overcome this tackle? How is he going to overcome this scheme? And he just gets through it with such ease. There was a play where it was a running back and a tackle blocking him, and it looked like he wasn't even trying, and he got through and got the sack. Unreal stuff. I love what Michigan's doing. I think that they have a really great first round against Georgia, who we're just going to talk about in a second. It's going to be great. We're actually going to break down the games further in another episode when the games get actually closer because I want to kind of save that for a, another time. It gets weird with the uh, the upcoming the upcoming weeks because this is exactly how the podcast started was with bowl season. So it's almost like we're right back where we started which is kind of weird, but it's the cycle of the season, cycle of football. We've covered an entire season of football. It's nuts. It's weird. 
it makes me uh, kind of reminisce. So anyways, we're going to talk about Georgia now. Number three, definitely a interesting spot. I was thinking, man, if they if there was like a couple other teams that won like Oklahoma State, maybe Notre Dame's resume was more impressive. I was like, I wonder if Georgia, if they really got, they really got their stuff handed to here, would they kick them out? Would they do it? I, I, I don't know. It was a little weird. Thought, it, thought creeped into my head and then it left as, as soon as it came there. Because Georgia, all year they've been dominant. They've been impressive. Their defense, I still really like their defense. I like what they do on offense with Stetson Bennett. Just the game manager, take care of the football. That might not fly against a Michigan team that can score and continues to get creative on offense. That might not fly against Bama. I just don't know. It's it's a weird, the loss makes me have a lot more questions than answers. A lot of people who don't think Georgia's all that, they thought they were overrated. Their wins weren't as big as we thought. I think Georgia's still a heck of a team. Definitely top four. They just got to get in the right mindset. They mentioned on the broadcast that sometimes all you need is just a refocus. Well, sometimes you just need to get punched in the mouth to get right back up. You just need to get that adversity. You need to have something to be motivated about, and they're going to have plenty of time to get over it and then get focused again. It's like Alabama with Texas A&M. They got plenty of time to refocus, say, hey, season's not over. This could be a blessing in disguise. This could give us a refocused attitude. Maybe we're not as good as we think we are. We need to go back to the drawing board and find something that works. I like that for uh, Georgia. Now for the oddball of the group. <laughs> the group of five, Cincinnati. I'm going to clap it up for Cincinnati. Clapping it. Making the playoff their first, my little feed right here is going nuts because I'm clapping for the first time. <laughs> but um, I'm going to see how that translates on the soundboard when I edit this. But for Cincinnati, they did it. Their first group of five team to to break that ceiling, to break that barrier, and make the college football playoff. Love it. Desmond Ritter, Luke Fickle. I love what Cincinnati does. I know that they haven't played the best opponents, but now they got a month to play the best one. <laughs> they have a very tough first-round matchup. It is going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. I'm very, I think for Cincinnati, it's, they have a, a month to kind of go, hey, we did it. And like the excitement's going to kind of wear off and they're going to be focused. They're going to be ready to go. It's going to be a very interesting situation because you're very excited about where you are. You're very excited about all the accomplishments that you've pulled off. And then, boom, you get to play Bama. That's your prize for breaking the glass ceiling. It's like a punishment more than a reward. It's just like, ah, dang it. I wish they could have played Michigan. That would have been a very interesting matchup for them. But the gut reaction tells me that it's going to be Bama-Michigan in the title game. We'll get into that more later as the month progresses and as more things and more information comes out, I'm going to be excited. It's enough fresh blood in the uh, playoff with Cincinnati and Michigan, and Georgia, I guess, counts because they've only been in it once, to keep fans interested. And the argument for expansion is going to be made because there's always going to be somebody that believes they got snubbed. So there's that. But having Cincinnati in there, having Michigan in there, enough new stories, new players, new faces... It's the first time we're not talking about how it's a lock for Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma to just make it in. So we have something to root for, something to cheer for. New stories, new faces, a new geographic location. The North is getting a lot of love this year. Cincinnati and Michigan. It'll be really fun. Really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to breaking it down with you guys. And that will conclude our show for today. If you guys enjoyed, as always, leave a five-star review to let us know that you enjoyed what you're listening to. Help us reach 4,000 listeners across the country. Tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. Tell your pets, dogs, cats, snakes, squirrels. Tell everybody about the show. Get everybody involved. Keep it going. 
keep this movement. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, guys. Have a fantastic week. Have a safe Christmas vacation. I will see you guys very soon with some special guests. You guys take care and have a great week. Thank you.